0: this morning. I'm Pastor David Kufall and we're new life and we are glad that you can join us this morning. Are we now up at YouTube? Okay, now we welcome everybody at YouTube. Um, again, I'm Pastor David Kufall. This is new life. Um, to let you know, we're located at 1021 South Center Street. You'll see our website is right there on the page that you're watching us on. Um, Even at your smart TV, but you can take out your smartphone, and if you need anything, just email us. You just go to our website, email us, let us know. Um, Next week, I'm going to be um, offering you, uh, for those who've been tuning in for some time, a free movie about Jesus, the life of Christ. It's the simply named Jesus. It's an award-winning motion picture based on the book of Luke. And um, for all those who get saved and let us know, you get that as well, and it's totally free. It's our gift to you because we love you and we care about you. But we want you to join us all the time. Now on YouTube, you I mean on Facebook, you get an added bonus. You get to join us on Thursday night for our Bible study, and it is a wonderful time. We, um, boy, were people were really enjoying our Bible study this last uh, Thursday, and so many of you tuned in. And you might be on your boat fishing, you might be sitting next to your campfire this morning or tonight, but we are so grateful that you can be with us. We love you, we pray for you constantly, and we're glad you're here. Well, today we're in for a treat. Joanne is here and she's going to be bringing us the word and she's all ready to go here but I figured I'll take care of the introductions for her and then she doesn't have to think about what am I supposed to say because it's always something to have to go through all that and so we would love to have you now if you want to join us in person At our beautiful campus, we start church at 10 o'clock on Sundays and at 6 o'clock on Thursday nights. Otherwise, you can join us every week um, there on YouTube and Facebook at 10.30 on Sunday and 6.30 on Thursday night. Again, we love you. I'm going to get out of the way and let Joanne come and open the word.
1: Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. As you can see, I'm not Pastor Kufu. I'm Joanne Sienzi. I used to come to church here, and um, I did the 50 miles today this morning to come to church.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My word, you have so many different responsibilities. So glad you're back.
1: Anyway, it is good to be in the house of the Lord. It is good. I'll get you later. All right. Um, but anyway, it is good to be in the house of the Lord. And my testimony this morning is that the word of the Lord is true. It is strong. It is a strong tower to run into. God is real. God is alive. And in this time and day, he is a timely one to run to. And... Um, uh, my testimony also this morning is that God answers prayer. He's answered a small prayer um, situation with me. He's answered a greater prayer. And if you're in need of prayer this morning, call Pastor, uh, call Pastor Kufel. Talk to him. Get the counseling you need. And come to church. If you do not come to church here, come to church somewhere. Come to church somewhere. And my text today is the book of jo- in the book of Jonah, chapter 1. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 16. I like to go through the, the text first before I preach. And it is about Jonah's disobedience. And um, we can't come down too hard on Jonah because we've all done it, okay? We have all have not listened to God, okay, for some reason or another. And I'm going to start reading at verse 1. And it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittah, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarsus. And so he paid the fare and went down into it to go go with them to Tarsus, from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was was about to be broken up. Then, then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten, to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the ship, and had laid down and was fast asleep. He was down at the lowest place he could find in that ship. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said one to another, Come, let us cast lots that that we may know whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, Please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and what of, the peop- what of, of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who has made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. And they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous, more stormy, and they grew more afraid. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that this is the great tempest is because I know that this great temptus is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the ship to land. But they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestous against them. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord and said, "We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish from this for this man's sake." Please do not charge this to this innocent blood for you O Lord, have done this as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea and the sea ceased its rage, raging and then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice and the Lord and made and made vows to the Lord. Heavenly Father I just come to you in the name of Jesus Lord this morning that. Lord, I do not know each person's heart. I do not know the, the people out there in, um, in uh, YouTube or uh, wherever they're live streamed to, Lord, but you do. Lord, give me the words to say they would bless their heart, they would encourage their hearts, and draw close to you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' mighty name, Lord God, amen. Okay, um, I'm going to look at verses 1 through 3 right now. Um, and, you, um, and I noticed that there are three little words in there that make a great difference to what happens to Jonah. In the first verse, it's to. And then the second verse, it's go. And the third verse, it's but. Okay? These three small, ins- insignificant words made the difference. For Jonah, okay? Now the Lord, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, not to someone else. There's three other prophets in the land at that time, but God didn't choose the other three. He chose Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, and he told him this little word is what Jonah didn't do. This is Jonah in reverse, okay? Arise and go to Nineveh that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And we can compare, uh, very sadly, we can compare America to Nineveh in the days that we are in. Nineveh was a great city, a great city of trade. It was in a strategic place, but it was also the city and the land of the Syrians, and they were a great, um, very cruel people, they tortured people they conquered. In those days there was a lot of war between nations and lands and towns and cities. and they tortured and they slaughtered the people that they conquered. There was wickedness in the land. it was so wicked that God was God was touched. His heart was touched. His holy heart was touched with the wickedness in that land, okay? And then the third, in the third verse, we see one small word that makes all the difference, the Jonah, and it was but. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarsus so that he so he paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. This is Jonah in reverse, and we can't say we've never done it because we've all done it. We've gone in reverse, and we've gone the other way with God. But if we're honest, if we're honest with people, and we're honest with ourselves, um, it is a very futile thing to do, a very futile thing to do. You cannot argue with God. You cannot go and run away from God, because in the end, if, if you have any inclination towards God, any little tiny part of your heart for God, you will come back. He will draw you back with his mighty right hand, with his care and compassion for who we are and that he loves us. And for his creation, we are his creation. And he is our creator. Who knows us better? Who knows us better than God? He knows us better than our mother, our closest friend, our siblings, our husband, our wife. He knows us better than all of that. And in verse 3, we see um, Jonah had made the decision to flee to Tarsus, and Tarsus was a city that some say was 2,000 miles the other way from Nineveh. Okay? I had a map. Um, in a Bible study with a lady by the name of Priscilla Schreier, and it is a, actually it is on Jonah, and Tarsus, um, Tarsus wasn't even on her map. In the back of the book, it was that far away. So, and we're seeing that he was. We can assume that uh, Jonah, even though he was a man, a prophet of God, a man of God, he was of some means. He had. Um, some wealth, because he paid for the ship to go, okay, and some say that this was a cargo ship, and there was no one else on that ship that paid but jonah and From what we can see in the story, that might be free, that might be very true because there there list no one else on the ship but the crew and Jonah and it could have been that he paid for the ship to go besides the cargo so and we're looking at a word that we're going to find twice in this verse, and it has a lot of significance, is down. He went to down to Jop- Joppa, and he found the ship, and he went down into it. And, uh, and they took off for Tarsus against, against and away from the will of God, away from his presence. So he thought, so he thought. And there's another message here that um, we, we need to consider, too. is God was teaching Jonah, and in the end, he's teaching Jonah that we need to care about our enemies, whoever they are, because actually Jonah was going to his enemy to preach to them and to save them. And this was part of the problem. He didn't want to go, go tell the good news to his enemies. He also left his family, his culture, his possessions. And to be honest, any of us would have thought twice about that. If we were stripped of, um, of most of our identity and, and our culture, what would we do? If God told us to go somewhere that was our enemy and tell them about Jesus, what would we do? And Jonah, uh, verse 4 it says, "But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty, and it was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. the ship they were in was about to crash. <clears throat> Jonah's disobedience uh, this is the beginning of Jonah's story, but we see his disregard, okay? When we start centering on ourselves, looking at ourselves. We disregard the people around us and their danger. His disobedience is already causing problems, only in verse 4, because he is endangering the lives of the ship's crew. We need to realize that we have a great responsibility to obey God and his word, because our sin and our disobedience can hurt others around us. And And I could say, you know what? Maybe that ship was in the middle of a hurricane. Maybe, okay? Maybe it was in the middle of a hurricane. Because this wind was so great, it was about to to cause the ship to break up in the middle of the sea. And how many times in our lives do we have a great wind? We have a life interruption that sets us back. How many times do we have a great wind that will set us on, 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 flat on the floor, set us on our heels, set us back to almost nothing, a great wind in our lives that we have to stop and take notice of because you know what? It has, it has almost stripped the, the floor from underneath us. And we need to go back to God. We, ha- we have to comp- contemplate where we're going next. We need to go back to God. We have nowhere else to go unless we use our own reasoning. And I don't know how far that will get us and where it will take us. And in this verse, we we begin to see God's mercy and his love and his long-suffering begin to take shape because he didn't let Jonah go. He didn't let Jonah go to Tarsus. He stopped him in his tracks. He was putting the skids on where Jonah was going. And then uh, in verses 5 and 6, and then the mariners, the crew, were afraid. Any person in their right mind would be afraid right now. They were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah, where's Jonah? Jonah went down to another down, into the lowest parts of the ship and laid down and was fast asleep. So we have four downs now in the story, we're only up to verse 5, okay? And this man is, has totally no regard to, for what's happening. He has gone to sleep. His conscience is asleep. He's gone to sleep. He doesn't care what's going on. He has has wiped out everything around him and he has no regard. The storm rages and Jonah is undisturbed because we cannot measure obedience by our feelings. Instead, we must compare what we do with God's standards for living, his word. And we see that um, the, the crew is become very afraid. They are crying out to their gods. They are praying to the only gods that they know, okay? We, we see some irony taking part here because these pagan men are praying to the gods they know, and Jonah, who knows the real God, is asleep. And this is also a rebuke to Israel. Uh, when we compare Israel to these pagan men, these pagan men, in a time of trouble, they turned to gods they did that were false. That's all they knew. And Israel, in its time of trouble, or when it started to slip in the sin, it did not turn to God. It kept on going. So then we come to Verse number six. So the captain came to him. The leader of the ship came to him and said, He woke him up and said, What do you mean, sleeper? What do you mean, sleeper? Arise and call on your God. We're about to die. Arise and call upon your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. Okay, he's already, he has been confronted with the captain of the ship. And he still will not admit that he's the one that's causing the problem and he's the one that is wrong. See how hard our hearts become when we run from God. See how hard our hearts become when we run from God. He has received a rebuke to pray and he has not admitted anything. Okay? So they have left. So verse 7, they are left to their own devices. Okay, what they know. They have prayed to their false gods, the crew. They have thrown out the cargo. They are desperate because they know they will die. So they say to each other, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell fell on Jonah. And this is only because of God's intervention, okay? I'm not condoning in any way, shape, or form superstition, okay? But God intervened. God intervened, and <clears throat> so they found out it was Jonah. So they come to him. He's probably still down in the bottom of the ship, okay? Okay? and not caring and they say to him please tell us for whose cause is this trouble come upon us what is your occupation and where do you come from what is your country and what are the pe- of what people are you tell us what's going on who are you that you that this great storm has come upon us and we're all going to die who are you and he said to them i am a hebrew I fear the Lord and the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And so now they have an answer. And they're not going to like this answer. They're going to be very afraid of this answer because, because these men are pagans. It doesn't mean that they aren't compassionate men. And they have a a um, a certain amount of integrity in them because we see what happens then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him why have you done this for the men knew that he fled from the presence of the lord because he had told them and then they said to him what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us for the sea was growing more tempestuous there was more storming going on. It was getting worse. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. They didn't want to hear that. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rolled harder to bring the ship to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more and more temptuous against them. And this is, this is the, the key verse to this chapter. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, these are the pagan men. Okay, we don't see Jonah. We still do not see Jonah praying yet. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. And do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O, o Lord, have done as it pleased you. They are praying, and Jonah still isn't praying. See how hard our hearts can become. See how hard our hearts can become when we start to say no to God. So we see verse 10. Now the men, are, all the crew, uh, they're very afraid And, and saying, why have you done this? Why have you done this? Why have you disobeyed your God? And 11 it says, And then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? And we, and we know, going back to verse 5, that these were, these were men that didn't know the living God. Yet they they had compassion concerning Jonah, not wanting to throw him into the sea. They started dumping out more. Uh, whatever else they had, I, th- I think they would have done that. And they started to roll hard, really hard. They were fighting against the storm because they, they didn't want to throw him into the sea. They, in their eyes, they knew it would be certain death for him. And they cared about this man they didn't know who disobeyed God and didn't care about them. They cared about Jonah. They also acknowledged, and we're seeing in this part, they acknowledged and realized there was a true God. And the gods they knew were not true, okay? Because 14, it says, they cried out to God. And they were praying to the real God now. Please do not let us perish for this man's life. Do not charge us with this innocent blood. They didn't want to do this. They really didn't want to do this. And they acknowledged God's sovereignty. What Jonah was not acknowledging that God is sovereign in my life and I need to obey him. And these pagan men had under, already understood this. And in the midst of Jonah's disobedience, these men came to God. In the midst of his disobedience and dis- his disregard for listening to Jonah, to God, they came to God. So they did uh, 15, they did the unspeakable thing. They, so they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. And the sea, ceased from its raging. And then, in 16, the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. These pagan men, they decided, and they knew in their hearts that this was the true God, and they began to worship the living God. They began to worship the living God. And the lessons, uh, I have a couple lessons from Jonah, a couple points. God cares deeply for us as well as for the people we resent and hate. God cares deeply for us as well as for the people we resent and hate. God is patient with sinners and patient with his servants. God is patient with all of us all of us, the ones that we don't care about and and the ones we do care about, and, and ourselves. God is patient with all of us, and he cares about all of us. He's compassionate. And you know what? If, if there were more Christians in America who truly love God, there would be no Black Lives Matter. There would be no Black Lives Matter. Because at the foot of the cross, it is not about black or white. It is not about rich or poor. It is not about how famous you are or how, how, how insignificant you are. At the foot of the cross, it's all lives matter. And we all needed a Savior. We all needed Jesus. Because we are not holy enough to take care of our sin. The bottom line is we are not holy enough to take care of our sin. We needed a savior. We needed God. This chapter is about God's sovereignty, how much He cared for Jonah, and how how far He would go. He would risk the lives of that sh- on the people on that ship to put Jonah on the right path to the people that needed to hear about God. The sovereignty of God is very much in display in this chapter. God has, a supreme, has supreme authority, and all things are under his control. Easton's Bible Dictionary defines it as his absolute right to do all things according to his own good pleasure. Ephesians 1.11 says God works all things, all things, all good things according to the counsel of his will. But I could, I could say God works all things. When we follow after God, he works all things after him, according to his good will. He works all things, the good and the bad. His hand is still on our lives. The good and the bad, his hand is still on our lives, and his will will be done in our lives. Matthew five forty four says, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Jonah is supposed to love his enemies. Love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use or persecute you. This is what Jesus said. It is easy, so easy to be nice to someone who is nice back to you. It is so easy. But you know what? We don't have to even think about it. If someone is mean to us, cruel to us, um, just playing nasty to us—we don't think about it. We just, we could just rise up, and be mad back, and mean, and nasty. We could, because we are made out of flesh. We don't even have to think about it. We don't have to put our mind in gear or anything. We can just, we just do it. It's automatic. But we really have to stop ourselves and think when someone has been mean to us. And nasty and wrong wrongfully um, treat us that we need to stop and pray we need to stall I call it stalling but we need to stall and we need to go pray if we're praying people we need to do this so we can get back on the right track the theme of this chapter being God's sovereignty what does that look like for Jonah Jonah tried to run away from God God was in control By controlling the stormy seas and the great fish, God displayed his absolute yet loving guidance. And how does that translate for each of us? Rather than running from God, we need to trust him with our past, our present, and our future. How do I trust God with my past and what I've done? How do I trust God with the present, and how do I trust God with the future? God, and no one else knows what I've done in my past. It's between me and God. But God is a forgiving God, and God will forgive you, and then you can forgive yourself. God will forgive you if you go to him. And the solution to whatever you've done in your past is Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ and what he paid on the cross. That is the solution to your past. It's also the solution to your present and your future. Our perfect life, our true life, the best life that we could ever live is in our Lord Jesus Christ, the best life we could ever live he has all god has all the answers because he already knows he already knows what'll happen if we go the wrong way he already knew at the very beginning where jonah was going he knew before verse 3 where jonah was going and what jonah was going to do because he knew what was in jonah's heart and he cared We really, really, really need to stop saying no to God. To stop saying no to God. Because when we, we have that option. We are free to do, free to say yes or no, but when we say no, we bring disaster upon ourselves. We bring disaster upon ourselves. But there is some good that comes out of that because if we come back, we'll see what God did to bring us back to him. He will do the same thing to us as he did to Jonah. He will change circumstances. He will move people. He will move everything to get us back in his will. He will move everything. He will move everything for you out there to get you back in his will, to get you back on track with God. He will move everything. He will move everything. And a lot of people say that God is love. And I skipped a page here, I'm gonna go back. God is love, and he is love, he is love. But, here's the challenge. Our hearts should be touched and ashamed when unbelievers show that there's more concern and compassion than we do as Christians. When we harden our hearts, God wants us to be concerned for all of his people, lost and saved. God is able to use our mistakes and or Jonah's mistakes because it is already written so that others would come to the true God. Here we see what happened to the pagan sailors and what can happen to us. What can happen to those around us? And we also know that God is a God of love. And many people say that. But we can't say that we love God and run away from him. Okay? We cannot say that we belong to God and run away from him and don't listen to him and don't obey him. We can't say that we truly believe God And we believe in him if we don't do what he says. In 1 John 2, 3 through 5, it says, Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Jesus said, If my word abides in you, you you belong to me. I'm paraphrasing, but if my word abides in you, you belong to me. He who says I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. We know that we, it's the test. um, You could say this is the test of the integrity of a person that walks with God, okay? If his, if his words, if scriptures belong in him, are, are working in his life, but if we, if we constantly um, feel this wooing, if I can say it that way, wooing from God, wooing from the Holy Spirit to do to draw closer to God, to, belong, to get in church, and we keep on saying no, we will drift further and further away from God. We will drift away from God. And that's not a maybe. That is a definite, concrete, solid truth. We will drift away from God. And I'm closing with a couple of scriptures here. Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six, And it says, this is a promise from God. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And only God can do this. None of us can do this. We don't have the holiness. We don't have the pureness. We, we do not have it to do that to ourselves. Only God can do this. He is pure, he is holy, and he is God. He is our creator. We can change ourselves. We can do self um, Do the self-help books all you want. You can change some of it, but you can't change your inside unless you go to God. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, and all things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. When we come to Jesus Christ, we can have a new heart. And then everything changes. We do not do like society does, and change from the outside and, and leave the inside the same. As a Christian, we change the inside, and then, we cha- and then the outside is changed. The outside of us is changed. And I hope that this word has blessed your heart. I hope that um, it has touched your heart. I hope it has been an encouragement to you. And again... We're coming from New Life with Pastor Dave Kufel. And we're at 1021 Center Street in Wahpeton, North Dakota. That cold, cold state that isn't cold right now. And the phone number there is 701-642-3487. And God bless you, and may you have a great day.